That is why we shall never be shaken. No matter the situation, no shaking. That is why when he said, You know, I thank God that there is prayer. (laughs) I thank God that there is prayer. Because I don't know about you. If we didn't have anything like prayer, I would not be standing here. But because there is prayer, and I can talk to the Almighty God, it shifts the situations. No matter what is happening, whether it is in the soft stone tone, whether you shout, whether you command, so long as there is prayer, I know I will never be shaken. And I know you will never be shaken. That's why God says, be still and know that I am God. He's not saying be still because you are powerful. But be still and know that He is God. Hallelujah. That is why tonight, even as we look at this teaching session, He says, what Jesus said about prayer what Jesus said about prayer. So we'll try and look at what he said and then how he himself lived a life of prayer. And then God willing, I think because you are talking about prayer, we have to pray tonight. Hallelujah. You know, prayer is the tool for anyone who wants to walk with God, I can see that these days, virtually, hardly people, people go out without their mobile phones. <laughs> because you think the call will come through or you will call. But I think we should talk more to God than to anything else. Hallelujah. So prayer is a tool for anyone who wants to walk with God. And secondly, we are in an enemy camp full of battles and fights. And the only way we can survive and not be shaken is through prayer. Prayer makes it possible for us to invite God into every situation. You know, I think God is so of a gentleman that he won't force himself to come sometimes. Unless you invite him, he's not going to come into the situation. Prayer invites God to intervene in the affairs on this earth. Prayer invites or is a license for divinity to come into the affairs of humanity. And I believe, therefore, prayer is a good thing. And tonight we are privileged to look into our Lord Jesus Christ's life. There was a teaching he gave about prayer. Let's look at Matthew chapter 6. We'll start from verse 5. And let me add by saying that prayer is for the man who is humble. 
Prayer is for the man who knows that I cannot handle the situation. I need to talk to God. Prayer is for the man who knows that he is limited. Prayer is for the man who knows that I don't know it. In fact, not even I don't know it all. I don't know it at all. And therefore, God must come into that situation. Prayer is for the man who knows that this battle I cannot fight. Until and unless God comes in, I'm not going anywhere. Prayer is for the man who comes down. So you need to begin from the point where you know that this thing, I can't handle it. And indeed, there is no situation. You must come to the point where you say that there is no situation that I can handle it. And therefore, God will have to handle it. Hallelujah. If you don't rise above this situation and think that you can do it, you will not even be tempted to pray. But you need to come to the point where you say that, look, there is no situation that I can handle. Hallelujah. And when you are there, then you will know that it takes God to fight the battle for you. Hallelujah. And Christ is our model because all his life on earth, it was all about praying into every situation. And I believe he prayed and he got the results. So there's no other person. And indeed, he's our example. So in Matthew chapter 6, verse 5, Christ said, And when thou prayest, and I believe we shall be praying. <laughs> Hallelujah. And let me again come back and say that Given last week's teaching that we did on understanding the nature of the flesh, when we have dealt with the flesh and we are working in the spirit, it is much easier to always to move into prayer and to be spiritual. It's because when you are deeply involved in the natural, when you are deeply involved in this flesh, the prayer itself won't go anywhere. In fact, I heard about a testimony of somebody who was powerful in the enemy camp, in the power of darkness. And he said, because many people are involved in sin and are full of themselves, when they pray, the prayer doesn't ascend to anywhere. It is shut down. The second level is those who pray without faith. That one too doesn't go anywhere. But when the man is not living a sinful life, and he has dealt with his nature, and he has faith, when that man prays, the demons turn away. He this prayer will catch fire in heaven. And it will touch the demons. So coming after last week's teaching, I believe we didn't receive the teaching in vain. And that we went back and say, let's deal with this flesh. Because if you don't deal with this flesh, the prize is not going anywhere. Hallelujah. So tonight's teaching, coming after dealing with the flesh, I believe is just appropriate. So Matthew chapter 6 verse 5 says, When thou prayest, and I believe at that point we would have dealt with our sins, would have dealt with our lack of faith, would have dealt with our flesh, then when we pray, Thou shalt not be as the hypocrites. 
are. For they love to pray standing in the synagogues and in the corners of the streets that they may be seen of men. Verily I say, they have their reward already. If we are serious to pray, the meeting place is not on the streets. When we are serious to pray, the meeting place is in your closet. Let's look at the next verse. It says, But thou, when thou prayest, hallelujah, when thou prayest, enter into thy closet. Whether it is a two by four closet made up of plywood, it is your closet. When you go into that closet and you shut the door and pray to thy father which is in, which is in secret. Look at that word very well. You pray to thy father which is in secret. He is not on the street looking at us. Pray to the father which is in secret. And the father which seeth in secret shall reward you openly. So the first point our Lord Jesus Christ gave he said, when we pray, especially when we are praying at the personal level, it should be in our closet. If it's a congregational prayer, it's a different thing. But when we are praying between we and our Father, He says it should be in our closet. Reason is that it is not for a public show. God wants fellowship. God wants to commune with us. And that should be done in secret and in private. Hallelujah. And that was the example that our Lord Jesus Christ always gave. So the first teaching that our Lord gave, and which he himself followed as a good example, is that he was always in private. So for you and I, the first example is that let's pray in, in our closet. Shut the door. It is when you have shut the door that you can be groaning. When you stand in the street and you are growing, people will come, what has happened to you? But in your closet, you are alone. Then you can groan and cry out unto the Almighty God. Hallelujah. So the first point is that go into your closet. And here it is not about the size of the mansion, whether it's a two by four or a plywood. The important thing is that you are in your closet. It can be in your restroom. It can be in your bathroom. So long as it's in your closet, that is the place. And in that place, you can be groaning. You can go on your knees. You can lie down. Nobody will come to ask you, what are you doing here? Because it is in your closet. Verse 7 says, But when ye pray, use not vain repetitions. Use no vain repetitions. That's the second point. As the heathen do. For they think that they shall be heard for they are much speaking. Brother, it is not the much speaking. The reason is that we don't even know what we are praying about. You are saying, what are you saying? A lot of the things that we talk about are not the real issues. But when we go to God, we will receive spiritual insight. That is where we know the real issues to deal with. It is only when we have received spiritual insight so the repetitions about the same issue is not really about the issue. God must, you see, there must be revelation before there can be intercession and then God will intervene. And if God hasn't revealed to you through a spiritual insight, what are we even praying about? Again, that is why the senior pastor's policy statement 
for the strategic conference is still relevant to us and we need to go back and mull and mull over it. We need to hear from God. There must be a revelation. If you have God hasn't revealed the issue to you, what are you praying about? You might think that this is the situation, but that is not the situation. Until there's a revelation. When revelation comes, then we can intercede. Then God will intervene. There has to be these three steps. So the repetition and much speaking without any revelation, that is why I believe most of us are sitting around the same problems. Because we don't even know what we are praying about. You can get a young man who can earn as much as 10,000 Ghana CD and he spends all the money on drinking. At the end of the three days into receiving salary, what did you do with the money? He says, ah, something is wrong. Until and unless there's spiritual insight, you can't deal with that problem. So much talking with that revelation, but thank God our Lord Jesus Christ, that's the reason why he always reverted back to the Father. He received insight in everything that he did. In verse 8, he says, Be not therefore like unto them, for your Father knoweth what things you have need of. That's what I'm saying. We don't know, but the Father knows. You must come to the point of knowing that you don't know. And if you don't know, you need to humble yourself and go and talk to the Father. Hallelujah. Let me break in here. At a point when we were managing one of the projects in Sinan, and this is a $34 million project, there was one lady they were bringing her onto the team. In fact, I was virtually ambushed in accepting her onto the team because ambushed because about virtually five general managers look at my size and five other general managers in a meeting with them. I gave in. Mama, you are laughing. <laughs> it's a serious matter. So he said, the DJ says I'm the only person he likes. I said, okay, let us sit in. But that project for the two and a half years, we prayed every morning, 8.30, every afternoon, 4.30. And there were other people at the back always praying. This is an organization, not a church. But midway through the project, I was told the girl stood in her own church and confessed that she was brought onto the project to come and ensure that it failed. This is not my private property. Why anybody would think that? Bring a member of staff to join that project to ensure that a $34 million fails. But thanks be to God for prayer. She stood in her own church and said, I have a confession. He said, I was sent to come and make sure the project fails, but I can't stand the prayers of the people. And he walked into my office. She walked into my office and said, Reverend Bimpon, you are the only one who can see this project through. I didn't need the five general managers. But God, that's why I say, Thank God for prayer. Had it not been for prayer, wow. my brother, my sister, in Paibu here, for an individual, for a family, for a church, for a nation, without prayer, 
you cannot do anything. So assuming this project has failed, then they will say, we are failing. But the God that I serve, this God that I serve, because of prayer, that's why I say, me, I can't write a CV. Because the CV, I didn't do anything. God did everything. Today, if people say that that project was done, because if this man has stood with their evil plan, and we hadn't called on God, what would have happened to the project? And like I said, this is not my private company. This is a national asset. But people say, send somebody there to go and destroy it. That is how evil and wicked in this nation, may the Lord forgive us. And it's still happening all over our Ghanaian departments. The wickedness and evil. I pray that the Christians in all government departments will stand up for prayer. Because God is in control. But if we sit down, this nation is not going anywhere. My cry to all believers, let's rise up, whether you are three or four, rise up and pray. That is the only thing that will save this nation. What are we talking about? Verse 9. After this manner so, now he says, after this manner therefore, pray ye, our Father, which art in heaven. That is why I'm asking from yesterday's teaching. Can you truly call our Father in heaven your Father? Christ had a certain relationship. He could call him his Father. He could say that Christ sent him. He could say that the words that I speak are not my words. He could say that the doctrine is the doctrine of our Lord Jesus Christ. Can you say that? If you cannot say that he is truly your father, then you have not started praying. Unless there is that relationship, can you truly call God your father? Do you have a personal relationship with God the father? And he can look to you and say that this is my son, this is my daughter. If we don't have that, this prayer is not going anywhere. Because there must be a relationship. We must develop to the point where we have that personal relationship with our Father in heaven. Hallelujah. If that one is not there, you're not going anywhere. And he says, Hallowed be thy name. Can you honor the name of the Almighty God? Do we honor God? Do we honor who He is? Let's go to Hebrews chapter 5 verse 7 and come back to this. Hebrews 5, verse 7. Hebrews chapter 5, verse 7. And here he's talking about Christ. He says, Who in the days of his flesh, when he had offered up prayers and supplications with strong crying and tears unto him, that was able to save him from death. Look at this last bit. And was heard in that he feared God. The reason that Christ was heard was not because he was in tears. So, but he says, this is simple English. Was heard in that what he feared God. Do we honor God even by his name? Let's go back to the Matthew chapter 6. Do we honor God? Do we fear God? He says his name alone. Christ said, Hallowed be thy name. Can we honor God 
but that was what Christ did. So I'm saying Christ did not only teach, but he also lived it. So even in his prayer, we are being told that his prayer was heard because he feared God. Matthew 6, chapter 10, verse 10. Thy kingdom come. Again, it will only take a man who has dealt with his flesh who will say the kingdom should come. For those who want the kingdom to come, they live the kingdom lifestyle. So for such people, they can throw an open invitation for God to say, let your kingdom come. If you have not dealt with the flesh, you still want to live in the nature of the flesh. But for the man who has dealt with his nature, he says, let your kingdom come. And for those who pray this prayer, they are concerned about the things spiritual. They are concerned about the things of God. They are concerned about how the kingdom of God will stand and be built here on earth. They are not talking about what they will wear. In fact, this shirt was a blessing from somebody because I didn't think about what I wear. But somebody blessed me with this church. A group blessed me with this church because I think about the things of the kingdom. I don't think about myself. And I believe God will honor you even as you think about the kingdom and not about himself. Hallelujah. That is why Christ told Peter in Luke chapter 22, I think verse 31. Let's quickly look at Luke chapter 22, then we'll come back. Luke 22 verse, he says, And the Lord said, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan have desired to have you, that he may sift you as wheat. But listen to the verse 32. But I have prayed for thee, that thy faith fail not. And listen to this. And when thou art converted, strengthen thy brethren. We don't have to be selfish. So Christ said, I am praying for you, Peter. When you are converted and you stand, then you go and strengthen who? Your brethren. So we should be thinking about the kingdom business. Thinking about the brethren. And yet, let's not concern, confine even ourselves to even this boundary of this church. You go because anybody who belongs to the body of Christ is somebody to be prayed for. And that is why also in Ephesians chapter 2, I believe verse 18. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 18. Let's look at Ephesians. He says, For through him we both have access. Let's, I think it says about where we should be praying for the saints. Is it Ephesians chapter 2 or so? 6, 18. Okay. Let's look at Ephesians 6.18. Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplications for who are the saints. So when Christ says, Thy kingdom come, He wants us to be kingdom minded. Pray for kingdom people. Let's not be selfish. Unfortunately for us, the church, so many denominations, we have been consumed about our pastor, our church, and not kingdom. Look, when you 
pray those kind of prayers for only your pastor, only your church, you are a selfish person. Pray for the saints. Pray for the saints. Pray for the body of Christ. Don't, otherwise, we become inward looking. When we stand here and it's only about our pastor, about our church, we become inward looking. There is a brother there who needs prayer. Let's go up north there. Even what the pastor will eat. Because the collection for the Sunday is 10 CDs. One sitting. A month is 40 CDs. At the end of the he needs prayer. But we are sitting on tiles we are still praying. There they walk on gravels. Let's be thinking about the people outside here. Let's think about the body of Christ. In that, we'll see what God will do for us. As we go out of our selfishness and think about other people, think about other saints, you see what God will do for you. It's been so much me, me, myself. What I will eat. What I will wear. Meanwhile, you have more than what you eat. I'm sure there are some fridges where some stews have not been touched for two weeks. And you are still praying for food. So much selfishness. Let's be kingdom minded. Hallelujah. Let's go back to the Matthew chapter 6. I think we ended at verse 10. So that was the attitude of what? Christ. That is why Christ would say, look, I don't even have any place to sleep. And thy will be done on earth. God's will must be done in our lives. Not our own will. God's will must be done. That should be our prayer. And that is the kind of prayer. You know, when you go to Revelation, he says our prayers have been bottled up. And it comes as an aroma. And I can see God going in the morning. Brother Fred, your prayer about the heavens and about the people. He goes to, to see this is a good aroma. But if you are praying for only your food, I don't think that kind of prayer is of interest to Almighty God. So let's be praying for the will of God to be tied in. That alignment between heaven and earth is what we need. Hallelujah. And those are the kind of prayers that Christ will pray for. Enough of our own needs. Enough of our own personal needs. Christ came and he was kingdom minded because he was going to go back. And if indeed we are going to go back, let's prepare for where we are going to go. Hallelujah. Verse 11. Give us this day our daily bread. I always ask myself, Today somebody was saying, if you look at people who get into office and they want to amass wealth, it's all because they don't have faith. Because if you have faith, you won't amass wealth. But if you are a true believer, and you know that God will give me a daily bread every day, I don't need to take any 10% for anything. Because God will provide for me every day. Those who are thinking about <laughs> there was one manager who was going on retirement and I heard he went to the hospital that he should give him his prescription for six months and I said after the six months what will happen to you? Has the sickness told you to be there for the six months? <laughs> but that is man 
But Christ says, give us daily bread. Of a so good hospital now into the mummy, my medication for six months. Which means who person yari But when you have faith, but I when you have faith, pray rather for the sickness. I thought that should be prayer. I said, Mammy Yari Unko. But Mammy more medication. Oh Yari and Bekawa. Christ said, give us what? Daily bread. You know the the widow and Elijah. He says, All I have is just some little oil and a little flour, and then I'll eat and I'll die. But the Lord said, That little flour, that little flour and the oil, God said, So long as the rain hasn't come yet. You eat till the rain comes, the famine goes. And for the three and a half years, that widow's flour and oil, they did run out. So you should begin to understand when you are dealing with God, He says, This day. But we want barrels. But Christ says, This day. You know, Christ, all they had was five loaves. And two fishes. So long as God is involved and you pray over it, it will feed 5,000 people. But as I'm sure the older ones seated here, when you look back, I'm sure most of us parents did just petty trading. They need to send you to university. The petty trading today has made you who you are. That daily bread will take you very far. Whether your salary is a thousand cities, but I measure whether your pension is a thousand cities, but I'm afraid whether the pension is so much, daily God will bless you and you will continue to eat. That should be our prayer. But people don't understand this simple thing. So they think that when they get into office, I remember one MP said he wants to get one million. This, this is a person with what? A spirit of poverty. Otherwise, you won't say that. But as believers, what gives us what? Daily bread. Verse 12. And forgive us our debts. This is a very big one for all of us. I believe most of the things that have been a hindrance, you will say in our prayer, therefore, forgiveness, you will If you have not dealt with this forgiveness, bitterness, envy, and those things, it won't go above the ceiling. It won't go anywhere. Simply forgive. And you'll see what will happen. Forgive. Be free. Be clean. Pure heart. And try God. But Christ said, forgive. As we forgive. So even as you are praying... And that clause, as we forgive, we haven't done that. Where are you going? The prayer is not going anywhere. So this is another teaching. And remember Christ himself said, because like I said, what he teaches, he practices. So even on the cross, he said, forgive them, for they don't know what they are doing. Whatever Christ taught 
He lived it. Verse 13. And lead us not into temptation. Brethren, all around us, Christ knows that it's full of temptation. All around us. And temptation blocks us. It distracts us. And that is why right from the Garden of Eden, the devil said, let me go and tempt these people. Once we are tempted and you fall to it, between you and God, there is no flow. So it was a good thing that Christ said, pray and lead us not what, into temptation. So it's a good prayer point. Hallelujah. So that we will not be led into temptation. Because there is no temptation around us. But deliver us from what? Evil. So much evil. So much evil. And you see, what we don't know, and the reason why I believe we should stand up for more prayer, is that we are not just dealing with a simple evil, we are dealing with a kingdom. Alright? We are dealing with a kingdom. Well structured. Where they work, he says, day and night. To find a charge and bring to the Lord. Job once he said, I'm moving to and fro. For what reason? All that kingdom is set up to do is to destroy God's purpose for our lives. And they are not resting. Day and night, 24 hours a day. So if Christ says in Luke chapter 18 verse 1 that men ought always to pray and we cannot pray and that kingdom is working 24 hours and you, all you pray is that there's a food before you Lord, bless this food, I am done. Then we are not ready yet. Because we are contending against a kingdom where they are operating 24 hours. So as an individual, as a church, as a nation, I think we need to heighten our prayer life. More has to be done than what we have done. We need to do more as individuals, as a church, as a nation. More prayers have to be done because the enemy, you know, the enemy is fully aware of what is coming, but we don't know. As we said, we know that last week, the UNICEF, which is an organ of the UN, has come out with a report saying that as a parent, if you tell your child not to watch pornographic, you are violating that child's human rights. You are saying, oh, but you and I cannot go to New York and challenge them. In fact, my visa has expired. I can't go. But what I can do, when you and I pray, when you and I go on our knees, so these Rastafarian things, you people don't know what is happening. You better as a church begin to be serious and stand up to pray. The evil one is wide awake. I think Christians, we are too at ease and comfortable. We are so much at ease. In our personal life, as a church, as a nation, we are so much at ease. The time has come. Christ said there is evil. That evil one is wide awake. That evil one knows that the time is drawing near. But we are not watching anything. That is why I think in, is it in 
Matthew 26, 41, Christ says, watch and pray. What, what scripture is that? I think it's... Hallelujah. Christ says what? Watch and pray. The enemy is watching. They know the timelines. In spite of all the big watches we have, we are not watching anything. But the enemy is watching. As individuals, I'll suggest to you, we need to do a lot more watching. Fine. Birthdays, they pray for us. Wedding anniversary, they pray for us. But you as the individual, every anniversary, the days working up to your birthday, the days working up to your wedding anniversary, the days working up in your promotion to be done, even the days working up to your retirement, do you know there are people who build houses but never live in it? You are not aware. They will watch you to build. I think there's even a verse in, in, in Scripture which says that you need to be serious and therefore rise up. Let's look at Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 5. There are people who you are not careful. You will build. They only do your, uh, what do you call it? This is called, we don't do the night thing. Wicked. It says, build ye houses and dwell in them. Plant gardens and eat of the fruit of them. There are people who are building but cannot live in those houses. Why? Because the enemy is watching and he knows your time clock. But you are not watching. People are planting but they are not eating of the fruit. Brethren, we have come to the time where all the milestones in our lives don't just say, I'm going to the announcement room to go and write for prayer. You yourself should be engaged in prayer. You yourselves. Getting time, getting to the graduation of your children. Prayer. I'll tell you something. My daughter was submitting her last paper last February. They submit the last paper at 8 o'clock. Five minutes to 8, the computer jammed. Three other computers in the house jammed. We have to resort to prayer. So when we can say, that very moment we resorted to prayer before computer. We will see They know when your child will finish school. Some parents don't even know when the child will graduate. But the devil knows. Yeah, da. Let's stand up and pray. I think we've had enough. Wa And we'll pray on two prayer topics. If for any reason your prayer life has gone down. God has given us the time to pray. God has given us the opportunity to pray, but we are being lazy. Oh, yeah, that was you. Me da wa asi. Me da wa si. Yeah, da wa asi. Oh, essence. Yeah, da me da wa. Oh, 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 oh,
brethren, we thank God for the opportunity for prayer. But where is thanking God if we don't pray? Where is the where is the relevance of thanking God if we don't pray? to pray. I mean, I couldn't finish, but I think there's been a stirring enough. 